Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I have a confession. I got told I must make a confession. It's a good way to start church when the preacher confesses something. When I went overseas with Gabriel Phillips earlier this year, I told you a story how he tried to FaceTime Fiona, dropped the phone on a pier, fell on his knees, and then tried to jump off the pier to get his phone back. You know that story. And I gave him a hard time. And I felt entitled to give him a hard time because I've never lost a phone. (laughs) And then when I told you my story of skiing last week, I didn't tell you that on the very last day, I decided to stretch my skills and go what's called off-piste, which is off the slopes, like onto the wild side of life, and it went horribly wrong, to which skis went that way, phone went this way, poles went that way, and, um, and then realized I'd lost the phone, and then tried to go back up the mountain, which is not easy, to go slowly down, which is definitely not easy, and proceeded to fall about six more times trying to find my phone. So felt like I needed to come clean. I've also lost a phone. Um, Gabriel told me I had to confess, so this is my confession. I'm back on phone now. If you wondered why I was out of touch, because literally, I don't know if you noticed, but everything needs two-step verification now. When you've only got one thing to verify on, and that's in a mountain somewhere, you can't do that. But it is wonderful to be here. I'm really excited for Christmas. I'm having fun. Um, Yeah, I am. I'm having fun. Thank you, Louise. It is good. Um, Have you ever noticed how things just seem to get or Christmas reminds us nothing's in control. I went shopping the other day, and people normally, I went to Canal Walk, I don't do it often, and people walk like this normally when they're shopping, you know, they're cool. But at Christmas, it's like, why are you rushing? I don't know, but everyone is rushing, and it's like out of control, and people are taking three things when they need one, and it's like, you don't need the extra thing. Don't be the Christmas turkey. Just leave the turkey. Just leave it. It's, it gets, things are out of control. It gets crazy. They just walk faster. It's like Reggie's rush all over again. You have to be over about 38 to know what that is. But um, you realize that you do a Christmas lunch, and nothing's in control because there's always that one family member who's half an hour late. So the meat was perfect. There's always that one who never wraps their presents in time. So now they're wrapping. For my family, it's my sister, Karen. She's, she's full of love, but forgets to wrap every year. And so now the whole lunch is delayed so Karen can wrap her presents. It's just what Christmas is. No one's in control. The retailers think they're in control. The parents cooking food think they're in control. No, you're not. Uh, no one at the shops is in control. And then we discover that Christmas actually is about the fact that we don't have control. There is a king. There is a warrior who's in control. And when we preached last week about Zechariah, do not fear. Mary, do not fear. Joseph, do not fear. Shepherds, do not fear. It's because you're not in control. But humans struggle with that. And, and they struggle it for many, many reasons. I'm going to share that. But my preach today is called, Mary, did you know? Because I'm still hearing that song in my house. Two weeks after the carol service. I've got my six-year-old, Mary, did you know? I'm like, Mary didn't know. We know Mary didn't know. My nine-year-old's playing PlayStation the other day, singing Mary, did you know, while playing Legoland or something. I'm like, leave Mary alone. (laughs) 
But I couldn't get out of my head, so I'm preaching about Mary, did you know, this morning. And um, it's the only song I've heard, but the answer is Mary didn't know. She didn't know. Simple. I'm going to give you the answer right up front. She didn't know. It's like that silly game we play with our work colleagues, our family, our friends called Secret Santa. Have you? Everyone know what that is? So there's like 20 gifts. You draw a number. Your number's three. You think that's cool until you find out you're going third. And then every single person is going to take your gift. And everyone laughs and smiles, but behind the scenes, you know that person's taking your gift because they secretly hate you. Like they, it's not said, it smiles, I'm going to take your chocolate eclairs and give you pink socks and a bandana for Christmas. And they swap. It is the most ridiculous game. People go home weeping, weeping. And we all go, that was fun. No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. Not for anyone, except for the guy who got the last number and got to choose what he wanted. It's like, and, and someone has been broken along that way. Anyway, I just, just sort of get that out there. It's not good. But, but Mary didn't know. Zechariah didn't know. There's an angel. Boom. He's been praying. God's been silent for 400 years. Angel in the room. Did Zechariah know what was going on? No. No. That's why he said, just chill, Zechariah. It's me, God. You've been praying to me for years. I'm here. Joseph, he gets freaked out. Did he know where it would end? No. The wise men, they didn't know. Mary, they didn't know. Sure, God spoke. But over 2,000 years later, you see, time brings a different perspective. We look at the narrative of the gospel. We look at the narrative of Jesus' birth. We go, oh, it made sense. God, you're so clever. Wise men, well done, God. Manger, so Jesus could come in humility. Well done, God. What about, what about the details of Joseph? Well done, God. You did it well. We get time as a perspective. But for the people in the story, when do you read the Bible? I would encourage you, read them, read the Bible like you're in it. Like it's real time life for you. Because if I read the Bible narrative of the birth of Jesus, like I'm in it, Jesus, I mean, Mary had a hell of a thing to deal with. She had a, that wasn't a great statement. It's Christmas. And, um, but she had a big thing to do. Her world got turned upside down overnight in one encounter with God speaking. And Joseph's world got turned upside down. And you know what? It didn't get turned right side up the next day. And I want to speak about these things. But here's the challenge is we struggle with the big story. So what we do as humans, and I would tell you, I think Christians are sometimes even worse, is we start reading the purpose into every action. That person cut me off in traffic. God must be dealing with this. No, why? They just cut you off in traffic. You don't have to work out the purpose of everything. There's no waves at the ocean today. The wind is blowing. It's like, okay, trust God. You don't need to know the end result. You don't need to know what God is doing. You don't need to know he's writing a much bigger story like the little piece Mary had, the little piece Zachariah had, the little piece Joseph had, the little piece the wise men had, the little piece the disciples had. They all had little pieces along the way. And we read the big story at the end. We go, we're so clever. God goes, you're not that clever. You keep trying to know the purpose and you're human, you don't. And then what we do as Christians often is we take it the next level and we throw some Christianese in the mix. We say like, God's got this. Meanwhile, inside you are so fearful. God's got this. Take the wheel, Jesus. It's like he does all things. It's, everything happens for a reason. We throw these statements around. Am I the only one who's heard this? Some of you are like, mm. 
By the way, it's hot in here because ESCOM won't give us more power. We've been asking for months. We are asking, if you want a miracle, pray that ESCOM will give us more power. Just letting you in the mix. We can only use half our aircons in the building for the last three, four months. We'll be online soon. You'll be cool and cold at church again soon. It's all good. It's hot up here. And then the, um, the last thing is, is we, we put all these purpose statements. We, we get clever with little sometimes lines that Christians use. But then tragedy hits and we can't find a purpose. And we can't make a positive statement. And then somehow that reflects on God and we say, God wasn't in control. No, that's not the truth. You've got to look at the birth of Jesus, the big story. You've got to take these characters' lives and say, God, did it make sense to them? Did Mary go, oh, that's what God's doing? No. She just trusted God. She went on a journey of trusted God. You know, simply state there's a difference between God and us, and there's the fact that He is divine. And, and God is divine. He is both man on this earth as Jesus, but fully God in his divinity and his power, which means he's in control. He always had the bigger plan. We aren't divine. Divine was a controversial word in my household because I have a brother-in-law whose father was a big lonely in a denomination where when you use the word divine, you could only use it for God. Then he married into a family who are so expressive in their words that every piece of cake was divine. <laughs> every meal is divine. And he would rebuke us strongly with theology, saying, only God is divine. And we go, you're right, but we're still going to say it. <laughs> because we use words like divine, and we throw them around sometimes, even as Christians, but we forget the real meaning. Christi cr Christmas is a picture of the divinity of God, that God was always in control. God can come how he wants into whatever context he wants, and he will move his hand, and he will bring his glory. And the Christmas story shows that God's divinity drops into people's lives, changes the momentum, the story, the everything of their lives, and maybe it's done it for you too, and he wants to do it for you. But when God drops into the story in his divinity, everything changes. And I'm sorry to hop back, but I looked across as I'm making a speech at this little 13-year-old girl who I knew should be dead according to metal, but God has done a miracle, and she's there, and her hair is completely curly. How cool is this? They, I don't know if you remember, but they cut her skull open, they took a hole, and then they put the skin back, and it got healthy again. But then the hair grew back curly. So on the one side of her head, she's got straight hair, and on the other side of her hair, she's got curly, and it is gorgeous. And it is a sign and wonder. And it's a story about the divinity of a glorious God who dropped into a broken situation. And so, Mary, did you know? I want to read from Luke chapter 1. We read it last week, but I want to read it again. It's an account of Jesus' birth starting at the beginning. It said, many have undertaken to draw up an account of these things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those from who the first, who, well, I messed that up. Down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the world. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This is Luke writing. He's a doctor. He's a details guy. So he says, I'm going to give you a detailed account. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you, are, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words, word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Spirit of God, I pray. As we have worshipped this morning and as we have praised the warrior king, the miracle working king, I pray. In the same way, would you drop into people's lives today as you dropped into Mary's life? Would you speak life where there was no life into wombs that were barren? You spoke life. You spoke life with just one touch from heaven. I pray into lives, into marriages, into circumstances, into emotions where there is no life and there is just darkness and emptiness. I pray, Spirit of God, breathe life today as you reveal Jesus and you reveal the glorious King, our Father, today. Amen. Amen. Point number one, I've already preached, but it's simply this, God is divine. God is divine. He is not controlled. He's like the neighbor that never stops popping in. Uh, I don't know, I, I once, I was in marketing, and one of the things we were sent out, and I spent two nights in an incredible area of Durban called Kwamashu in a home of a family who were doing life there, and my job was to just observe to see how life was done in this context, which was slightly different to mine. But the best thing about the whole time where was the naughty neighbor who kept on breaking into the house because he was so amazed by this white guy who would come and stay in his neighbor's house. He thought this was hilarious. So he would keep breaking into the house. He would come through the windows. He would come through the doors. They would kick him out and say, you can't come back and discipline him. But he would come back and want to chat to me. He became my mate. You can't control God's interruption in your life because he's divine. You can try to close windows, you can close doors, and he can even close off your heart, but he's still God. He's got the key to every heart, to every door, to every situation, to every marriage, to every broken financial story, to every broken relational story. There's a God in heaven who's above it all. And we think we're in control, but we're not. And God shows us in this story that almost 400 years, for 400 years, he is quiet. God hasn't spoken. His people haven't heard. And all of a sudden, he breaks the silence in Zechariah, and then he breaks the silence into Mary. He breaks the silence. Why 400 years? And numerologists and clever people try to tell you the meaning of 400 years. No, just because he's divine. He's God. He sees the bigger picture and the meta-narrative when we don't. We tell chapters. I don't know about you, but I like reading the first chapter and the last. And at school, I had an ability to write a book report from that. Just read the first chapter, the last, maybe skim in the middle a bit to make sure you didn't miss the big theme of the story, but you could feel like you knew the story. You could write the book report and get away. Okay, some of you like much better students than me, but it's, it's fine. It's fine. God says you can't do that because you don't see what he sees. 
the sickness, you don't see what he sees. He breaks into this lady, Mary's life, who had a plan. She was going to get married to a dude named Joseph. He was a carpenter. He'd bring a good life. They'd have kids, do life in their little town. Boom, that's life. God says, I'm going to break into this life, not because she deserves it, not because she earns it, not because she asked for it. I'm going to break in because of something called grace, how good I am. I'm going to break into her life, and I'm going to kickstart the purposes of heaven in and through her life. I'm going to place the Son of God in her womb. God can do what he wants to do. The challenge is, sometimes he says, I want to break into your life. And we go, God, where are you? But everything else we're doing is colliding with the ways and the purposes of God. And then we wonder why when he breaks in, it doesn't seem to take us on his journey. We're fighting it. Mary's an amazing picture because she doesn't do that. God is divine simply means that he's God and we are not. And he comes in the form of a baby into the womb of a lady who didn't ask for it. To put a precedent in place that God's not scared of our mess. That God's happy to come into the womb of physiology he created. And the smallness and limitation of a womb for nine months. And go through a birthing process that was as messy and gruesome as it is. In a manger. Because he's God. And because he wanted to put something so he could have come as a warrior on a horse with the armies of heaven upon him. But he said, no, I'm looking for a people who won't just fear me. I'm looking for a people who want to know me, a people who come into a relationship with me. I'm a father. I want to walk with my people. So I'm going to come in humility. I'm going to come in weakness so that they can know that the king came. He'll never stop coming because he's divine. Number two, I want to point out this thing that God speaks to Mary, and he says, you are highly favored. Let's just process that. He says it this way, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes for a moment. Life is planned out. All of a sudden, she's pregnant. Imagine the neighbors. She's showing. It's a small town. Now, this is not New York. It's a very small town. She's showing. Joseph's looking sheepish. The scandal. She's going, God, I'm not sure I'm feeling highly favored now. Then, actually, Mary, what are you going to do? You're going to get on a donkey and you're going to travel 80 miles on a donkey. Oh, this is favor. This is awesome. Then she gets there. No Airbnb. There's no Hilton Hotel. There's nothing. Sleep in a manger. Mm. Imagine on the manger, highly favored on the door. No, it doesn't feel like that to Mary, does it? And then it's all going down, and next minute she's having a baby, and the baby's there, and wise men pitch up like, who are you, dude? It's like, it doesn't feel like highly favored. And then she finds out that the king is angry, so they have to get on the donkey again, straight after birth. I remember the first time driving my wife home from hospital. It was the slowest I've ever driven. People like 100 meters from me are like, get away, move. <laughs> now Mary's got to get on a donkey for 200 miles again to run from an angry king. Then she hears, not only did he stop there, the king was so angry, he killed all the babies under two years old because of her birth, because of her child, because of her story. Babies are dying. I don't know about you, but if that was me, I wouldn't feel highly favored. I wouldn't feel like this is favor. And maybe right now you're saying, it doesn't feel like favor. 
Mark, I come and listen to you preach every week. You tell me I'm favored. We sing it. I am favored. We sing it. I don't feel it. But it doesn't stop there. Mary's life never got rosy. 33 years later, she watched her son beaten and bruised and nailed to a cross and crucified. Mary, you are highly favored. See, we get some of this stuff wrong. What does it mean? Another English, the ESV puts it this way, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Full of grace. I don't know about you, but it wouldn't have felt like that to me. I was speaking to a farmer yesterday, a friend of mine. I've actually told his story a little bit along the way, but drought has come to his area. There's no more water in the dams. There's no more water to irrigate. All the seed is in the soil. And I phoned him yesterday. He says, we've got water just to keep the sheep alive. I said, well, what do you do? He says, I can do nothing. All I can do is trust God. He's not cross. He's not grumpy. There's no more water in the mountains. It's not coming. All I can do is trust God. Why? How can he stand with peace upon his soul? How can he? Uh, it was my boy's third, uh, 11th birthday this week, D- Judah. But for three years, we tried for that kid. We trusted. Doctors said all sorts of stuff. It didn't feel highly favored in the process. Now I look back, I feel highly favored because I love him. But in the process, what's amazing about Mary, and I mentioned it last week, Mary didn't fear the angel. It says Mary was troubled by his words. And maybe this Christmas you are troubled by the words of God to your life, that you are highly favored. This was what Ephesians says. Praise be, chapter 1, verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Say has blessed us. You got to get more passionate. It's Christmas. Has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in the one he loves. That's us. That's to us. That's for us. That's upon us. And I read those words and they feel like honey dripping over me. But sometimes when I live life and I face circumstances and trials like you face every day, it doesn't always feel like that, does it? See, my job, Christmas tells me, is to believe that God is divine and he's in control. And he'll come when he comes, how he comes. He'll break the silence of 400 years to break in to a simple girl's life. And secondly, to understand it's not always going to feel like highly favor. But my job is to not fear and not be troubled by the words he has spoken because those words are life. And whether I'm a farmer with no water for my sheep and my whole future looks like it's on a knife edge, whether I'm a farmer, a father crying out for the health of my child like some are doing right now or for the health of a spouse right now or for the salvation of a family member, or the survival of a business in tough economic times. My job is not to know the beginning from the end and to say, God, I'm partnering with you. Good move this year. Well done, business partner. We love to make God smaller than he is. And God is my CEO and all these books. It's awesome. But a lot of it is sometimes us trying to navigate and twist God's arm and steer him. 
And he keeps reminding us, and he started right at the beginning in the garden, and he did it again when he broke in in the form of Jesus as a baby. He said, I am God. I am divine. I know the beginning from the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega. If you will trust me like a simple girl named Mary did, I will reveal my glory. It's not always going to feel like it, but I'm in control. And lastly, I want to use this young lady's faith to stir us and call us to trust this king at this time. Because I love this, and point number three, not the greatest points in the world, Mary made peace. She said it this way, right at the end, said, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. Does she say, I want that? Did she say to God, I was thinking the same thing, birthed by the Holy Spirit. You and me, God, we got this. Does she say, this will be the plan that will save the world. I knew I was born for greatness. No. She just says simply, I'm the Lord's servant. If you're a believer here today and you believe in Jesus Christ, have those simple words upon your heart. I'm the Lord's servant. See, I'm also a son. I'm loved. I'm highly favored. I'm many, 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 many things. But my Initial response to his glory, his divinity, his grace, his powers. I'm just your servant. And I don't see the beginning from the end. And on the journey, there's going to be tears and there's going to be joy. There are going to be mountaintops and there are going to be valleys low. But you know what? God came to earth, presents himself among men. And the greatest promise he said to her is, may your word be with me. He said, I will be with you always. It's this great promise that pours upon her. Ephesians puts it this way, in the mystery of God's grace, and I'm three, four minutes away from done. In him, we were also chosen, having been a predestined according to his plan of who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So he's going to work out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. Why does the Bible tell us you want to know the will of God? Well, do not conform to the patterns of this world because it will be very hard to then re be reconformed. I've said it before, but a conformer is this steel piece of metal that, that you put leather over and you beat it into shape so that when you put it on a shoe, it conforms to that shape. It's very hard to take that same leather and beat it into another shape. It's the same as my heart. It's the same as your life. So make the decision right up front when God reveals himself to you. See, in him there's nothing random. It's not playing secret Santa games and someone else can take your lot. See, I went and looked at that Mary, did you know? And if it wasn't so hot in here, I'd get Bunty to come and sing it for you. But Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? No, she didn't. She's giving birth and there's pain and it's in her mind. She didn't know that. So did you know he would save our sons and daughters? That he's come to make you new. That this child you delivered will deliver you. He'll give you sight to the blind. He will calm a storm with his hand. He has walked with angel, where angels trod. And you kiss the face of God. Did you know, Mary? She didn't know. She just said, I'm your servant. She didn't know. Psalm 16. And this would be my scripture of 2019. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. 
Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, the prince of peace and power came in pampers to show that he will always be a personal God who is with us. And whether there are tough diagnoses in the family around health, whether there are promises that bosses haven't fulfilled, whether there are promises politicians haven't fulfilled, whether there's pain in your heart because relationships haven't landed where you thought they would land. There's a king who came. And he could have come looking like Sia Khaleesi with muscles everywhere, <laughs> taking over the world, but he came like a baby puff. <laughs> Just trying to lighten the mood. He chose to come like that. There was no script written. He said, I'm God. I'm divine. We're going to come like this. We're going to come in the weakest, most dependent form and shape this world's ever known. And every man and woman can relate to. I choose to come like this. I choose to live amongst them. I choose to face everything they face. I choose this. Because I need them to know I'll never be distant. Mary made peace by saying, I'm the Lord's servant. At Christmas this year, Will you make peace first with God? You want peace with man? Get peace with God. You want peace at your Christmas table with family? Get peace with God. Forgive. Release. Get peace with God. Settle the purposes, the plans, and the will of God upon your life. And trust Him with the big story. And stop trying to be the one who works it all out. I've realized, and it's been said a thousand million times before, the older I get, the less I know. I thought I knew a lot at 20. If you knew me at 20, you probably wouldn't have liked me. Had answers for days on most of the world's problems. I've got a lot less answers now. But I've seen God do a miracle. I've seen him do merry miracles. I trust him as the miracle-working God. And this Christmas, allow him to reveal himself to you as the warrior miracle working God. Can we stand together, please? You guys are right up there. I know it's hot up there. We'll get you aircon soon, I promise. Can we close our eyes just for a second? Mary, did you know? She didn't know. She wasn't God. But she trusted the King of Kings. And maybe you say, Mark, you're a bit of a stuck record. You keep telling me to trust God. It's the only thing I'm going to tell you. So our Father who art in heaven, I trust you. Before my daily bread, before allow me to forgive, before anything else. I trust you. You took a simple girl and you broke into her life. And you gave her a story that we know all these years later because of grace and goodness. 
If you're struggling with the journey right now, I want to pray for you. If you're stuck in the middle, if you're stuck in the middle and there's fear and anxiety, it's a it's the posture of life sometimes where we get stuck in the middle. Well, well, I'm, I finished school, but I'm not really a, 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 an adult because I'm not providing and I'm stuck in the middle. There's confusion in that stage of life. There's other stages of life. I was healthy last week, but this week I'm not healthy. Who am I now? No, the Bible tells you who you are. You're a son or a daughter of the living God. You are loved and you are favored and His grace is upon you and He's waiting to break into your story. Lift your eyes to the king. Trust him. Trust him. Do not fear. Don't let the voice of fear speak and shout this Christmas. But let the love of Jesus and the grace of the king rest upon you. And let this be your revelation. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand I will not be shaken. If you need to know that unshakable hand of God upon your life, why don't you lift your hands right now. I want to pray for you this Christmas that you would encounter the touch, the love, the grace, and the power of the warrior king. Jesus, right now, Spirit of God, you are here. Move your mighty hand. Where it's healing that's needed, move your mighty hand. Where it's health that's needed, where it's relationships, whatever it is, God. My lot has not fallen in unsecure hands. My lot was always in your hand, Jesus. Always. It always has been and it always will be. In sickness and in health, it's in your hands. In plenty and in little, it's in your hands. Whether there's water in the dam or there's not, God, it's in your hands. So we trust you this morning, King. And we worship the living God who is seated on his throne today. Make peace. Beloved of Christ, make peace. Make peace with God. And then let him bring peace with man. While eyes are closed this morning, maybe say, Mark, I don't know if I'm at peace with God. I, I, I can't stand here and say I'm at peace with God. Well, here's the first thing I'm going to tell you. You can't do it alone. You need Jesus. And you need to make Jesus king and Lord of your life. And he comes to you today. He says, will you follow me? Will you allow my grace, my goodness, my love to touch your life today? Allow me to wash you clean, restore you, and set you free today.